Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. These podcasts are designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host for the show. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Well, this is the final episode. This is number 10 in a 10-part series on everyday strategies, how you as a teacher can become your personal best, and how you can help your students become their personal best. Now, there's only three strategies in this episode, but they are so important. They are so important that I want to spend a little time developing them. So we're going to be taking a look at character ed. We're going to be taking a look at physical activity, and we're going to be taking a look at why it's important for students to keep a life notebook. So sit tight, enjoy the show, Everyday Strategies. This is our final episode, number 10, in um, in the podcast, Anti-Bullying 101. Okay, this is strategy 48. Have a character education plan. Now, We all need to have that, right? And in the appendix of the book, I give you 50 different character qualities that you can work on. 50. Qualities that are good, you'd be surprised what some of the qualities are. I mean, they're beyond respect and responsibility. They're qualities that, when you really take a look at them, you can use them in life yourself. But here's the problem with character education. Number one The reason that it somewhat failed, uh, the character education programs that were just mandated by school districts, the reason they failed is because they became ceremonious and we did not work hard enough on the program. I mean, I was walking down the hall with a, a teacher one day. I had a student with me. And there was a piece of paper on the floor, and I asked the student to pick it up. And the teacher looked at me and said, hey, great, you know, he listened to you so well. I said, do you think he would have picked that piece of paper up if I didn't ask him? What quality are we looking for there? It's initiative. Initiative. 
students, the student didn't have it, he had to be asked to do it. Now, if a kid picks up a piece of paper at the elementary level or something, right away they get the neatness award. Character education can't reward kids for what they should be doing anyway. That's why, the, that's why character ed fails. We have to reward kids for what they did in terms of character ed. They did it on their own. Character is an innate... Um, I'm not going to say it's an innate quality because there's so many qualities that go along with character, but it's something that comes from the inside out. Character was something that was popular during the agricultural revolution because everyone worked on farms. So it was all family members working together and character was important. In other words, you had to be punctual, you had to have self-control, you had to have respect, responsibility. The minute that we started with the Industrial Revolution, we moved into more of the personality ethic, and then people had to almost become something that they weren't, or make people believe that they were. And when you look at the personality ethic, the tip of the iceberg is what you see. What's below that iceberg is the character. So if a boat happens to slam into the iceberg, depending on how strong the iceberg is beneath that water will determine if whether or not the boat's going to wreck the iceberg or the iceberg's going to wreck the boat. So here's the personality. That's what you see. Underneath is where the character is. Strong character. You could sustain the blows. Now, how do you know what it's like underneath that personality that you see? All you have to do is put somebody under stress and you'll see their true colors. I used to tell my daughters all the time, if you're, if you're going to date somebody, okay, wait till he gets put under stress before you get serious to see what his reaction is. Because if he reacts in a negative way, his character is not strong enough. We have to develop kids of character, and character has to be developed from the inside out. And this is why character education programs have failed. You can't just give the award to everybody. You can't do it. What you do is you give it to the kids that really exhibit the quality that you're working on that week, whether it be respect, responsibility, truthfulness, honesty, whatever it is. And you make sure the other kids know exactly what the parameters were for that behavior. It's almost like having a rubric on character or on a character quality. So let's think about character education. And then once again, if you download the book, what you're going to find is a whole bunch of stuff on character ed. Strategy 49. Use physical activity as a motivator. I work with a wonderful guy. His name is Mike Kazala. And he's written a course called The Kinesthetic Classroom. It is one of the most popular courses that people can take. And 
the reason why it's so popular is that research supports the fact that when kids are allowed to move around, they do far better academically. And some teachers fear movement on the part of the student because the concern is that it could give someone the idea that the classroom's out of control. Now, set, we, what we want to do is we want to set up structured movement at times in our classrooms and allow for what is known in the research as brain breaks. These brain breaks are just short activities built into your day that last for two to three minutes. They could play a short game or a sing a content-related song or some other activity. These are designed to help students refocus and recharge their batteries. Now, in the back of the book, I've got a list of brain breaks that you can that you can use. But let's really take a look at this. And all of this stuff is great. And I I agree with the kinesthetic classroom. My question here is, why do we need it? We need it because kids don't get outside to play anymore. Kids don't have enough recess. Kids don't understand the benefit of running around. I mean, years ago, you came home from school, all you did was get on your bike and go see friends, have some fun. You know, you were outside all the time. Matter of fact, your parents didn't want you in the house. And when the summer rolled around, if you were in the house, they'd throw you out. Kids don't know how to play anymore. And because they don't know how to play anymore, they don't know how to solve social problems anymore with other kids. The word of the day is play date. You have a play date set up. Excuse me. (coughs) That's what you have, play dates. Kids just don't walk over to somebody's house anymore. A play date has to be set up. And my point here is if we encouraged more movement, well, why, why do we think that we have this problem with teenage obesity and diabetes? Why? Because kids are not outside running around. And it has to be encouraged. On any summer day, I would leave my house at 8 o'clock in the morning, come home 8 o'clock at night, play baseball all day long. $2 in my pocket for a hot dog and a soda, and that was it. Nobody does that anymore. And that's something that we have to begin to revisit and begin to encourage. The benefit of physical exercise on the brain. And we are including it in our classrooms today because kids don't get enough of it in other areas. They don't, they don't get outside enough. They don't know how to play alone. In my, in my lifetime, I'm 65 years old. In my lifetime, if I had 25 cents and I went over to get a Spalding high-bounce ball... That was my activity for the day, throwing the ball up against the wall, off the steps, you know, using it for stickball, hitting it, running after it, the whole thing. That's all I did. That's what a lot of kids did. Now, they don't know what to do with a ball. I put out basketballs for a group of kids in a school where I was in as a consultant. They started throwing the balls at one another. 
They didn't even shoot the ball at the basket. They don't know how, and we've got to reteach them the benefits of physical activity. Because it's not the diet, teenage obesity. It's the fact that they're not moving around like they used to, and like they should. Strategy 50, the last strategy. Here it is. Have the students start a student life notebook. Do you remember strategy 50 for the teachers? Start a teacher's life notebook? Well, you as the teacher and the students work on your life notebooks together. Success and failure are part of life. Encouraging your students to document their successes helps improve self-esteem and memorializes events so the student has a record of what he or she has accomplished. Documenting failures provides students a record of what he or she did that didn't work. That's something that students need to be made aware of. There's nothing wrong with failure. Kids can fail. Don't forget it. We don't let them. Teachers become concerned about a reaction from a parent because their kid fails or doesn't do well on a test. A life notebook helps make the student aware that failure is okay at times. It's a learning tool. Go to my YouTube channel and watch the video, Can You Handle the Truth? How do they do on that test, teacher? Well, you know, you failed would probably be the best answer, but we can't do that because of concern that we have over teachers, uh, uh, parents, and administrators, and everyone getting on us for failing a kid. How did I do on the test? We mumble over a few words. You know, we all, you could do better. We'll take a look at it. You failed. Failure is something that happens. A Major League Baseball player gets 3,000 hits and he goes to the Hall of Fame. That's 10,000 at-bats. He bats 300, he goes to the Hall of Fame. He failed 70% of the time and he's in the Hall of Fame. It's what we learn from the failure that's important. And if you want to become your personal best, don't fear it, embrace it, and realize what you can do to improve, whether you're an adult or whether you're a student. And admit your shortcomings from time to time. And realize that you have to either put in more effort or give the school more time. Realize that you may be out of balance and you may be giving the school too much time and it's affecting your family. Do what you have to do to improve. There is never a status quo. Never. 
Always room for improvement. Always time to, to put in the effort. And if you do these things slowly, you will become your personal best. And you know you'll leave a legacy to your students and, and to maybe even your children. And if you have that life notebook, you can write your own book with the experiences that you've had, both success, all filled with successes and failures that you've gone through. Let's all work to become our personal best. Let's help others become their personal best. Let's see what we can do in terms of making those around us better. Because as we do this, you'll discover that there's a lot of love in it. There's a lot of good feelings that come from it. It reduces disrespect and irresponsibility, either in a home or in a classroom. We learn to care about each other more. And we also can speak the truth far easier. Strictly because we care enough about someone else and we want to help them improve. And we know in our own life that there's always room for improvement ourselves. 100 Everyday Strategies helping students become their personal best. And what we can do as teachers to become our personal best. Thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101. As I've said a hundred times, please visit the website, bullyproofclassroom.com. Take advantage of all the resources that are there. Make sure you pay attention to the episode description so you can download free resources. This is the conclusion of a 10-part series. Everyday strategies helping students and teachers become their personal best. Thanks for listening, folks. See you in the next episode.